everybody, and welcome back to the Your Fab Life podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing attorney and TV star from the hit own show, Ready to Love, Simone Redwine, as we dive in and discuss love or career first. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Your Fab Life podcast with LeelyFab.com. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing attorney and entrepreneur, attorney Simone Redwine. Thank you for coming to our podcast. We're so excited to have you. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here, girl. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, You may know Simone already from the own hit show, Ready to Love. She's actually recently engaged. And today we're going to get to know a little bit more about her. But the main topic for today is love or career first. Which one? Okay. So we got the expert on that, um, a professional woman that can definitely speak to that. Um, and so before we jump into her advice and guidance on love or career first, we definitely want to first jump into her uh, her questions about herself because we want the audience to, to learn about her. Um, Absolutely. So my first question, Simone, is why did you choose your profession? Was it something that you chose or do you feel like the profession kind of chose you? So the profession always chose me. Um, I've always been like a super empathetic and emotional person who like, um, I've always felt very blessed and I've always felt like I had a lot. And then I felt like a protector of others from growing up. Like my parents were arguing, I would intervene and be like, daddy, don't argue with mommy. Uh, I always minded other people's business and I've always loved problem solving. So I like to help others. Um, And I realized early on, I like to help others, but I didn't want to be poor Mm, because that's not fun. I tried that growing up. No. And um, I, my mother realized at a young age, I was very good at anticipating objections to whatever I wanted and having a solution for them. And so um, my mom is also very good at um, helping to formulate children's minds, to mold them into um, the best they can be. And so uh, she knew what I hated, which was cleaning my room of any sort. I hate to this day. So she used to walk in my room as a little girl and be like, oh, this room is terrible. You're going to have to make real good grades and become a lawyer so you can afford a maid. And I said, what's a maid? She said, it's somebody who cleans your room for you. I said, wait a minute. So the first time I found out if I became a lawyer, I wouldn't have to clean you my room. You could get room. a maid. <laughs> I got a maid. Girl, the first purchase out of law school, I bought a housekeeper. Wow. My friends were like, I lived in a uh, Jersey City one bedroom. It was like every bit of 700 square feet. And my friends were like, you have a maid for this little bitty place? I was like, yes, bitch, I made it. Ugh. So... It started with those little things, but I was also a child actress. I was in the movie Problem Child. I did commercials all the time. And so I've always known I was a good storyteller. And so it was natural to then want to become an attorney because at the end of the day, as it relates to any case, the person who tells the better story wins. Wins. Yes. So today I am an injury and an expungement lawyer. Um, I actually accept injury cases throughout the nation. It doesn't matter where you're injured. I can help you. And so that was just natural because I love to tell people's story for them. And I had a natural inkling of being able to do it in a way that where I had a case where they denied, they said our clients were at fault. It was the death of, of two Walmart workers on their way to work. The police report said it was their fault. Uh, no insurance was trying to pay out and I got a million dollars from a demand letter in about six weeks because I told a different story. Told a different story. And it's funny that you say that because I recently um, interviewed Kiara um, Imani, who is an attorney. She just released this book that's doing very, very well t- called Therapy Isn't Just for White People. And I interviewed her. I, actually for the, I just interviewed her for the podcast a couple of days ago. She's been featured in Forbes with her book and everything. And she literally said the same exact thing as you that, you know, why are people surprised that I'm both, you know, an attorney, an author, all these different things? Like, it's all storytelling. It's still, and she yeah. and she wasn't even a litigator. She didn't even do personal injury. She actually did, uh, she was a contract attorney in-house for some entertainment companies, but it was still 
it was still storytelling at some point in terms of how she viewed things and how she wrote them out. So you guys literally said the same exact thing about storytelling. Well, I'm going to write her name down. Yes, Kiara. I'm K-I-A-R-A. Got it. My yes. fiance, he um teases me because I make all these like Instagram and internet friends. I'm just like, I like your work, or I'll give him a compliment and I'll slide in, yes. you know, totally platonic. And then we'd be real friends in real life whenever they come to Houston. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, she's here. She's based now here in LA, just like I am. So yeah, we'll I'll definitely come to LA, connect you with I her. Like and I actually will probably be promoting your episodes together around the same time. So yeah, definitely hit her up on Instagram. But yes, definitely the storytelling part. Um, so with that being said, you know, if somebody is interested in becoming, you know, an attorney and, and going after this field, in addition to, you know, getting a maid and all of that and the finances and things like that. What would you say is the is like your favorite part of the job? Because I mean, it can still be stressful. I think most people know. Sure, it absolutely. Is. Is. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of the job is being able to change people's lives for the better mm -hmm. in ways that otherwise are impossible. You know, I've had clients where three other lawyers turned them down, and I took their case, and I obtained millions for them. And they were like, nobody else could have done this for me but Simone. Because I'm not really good at no. I'm terrible at quitting. That's probably why I have some of the raggedy ex-boyfriends I have. I don't know how to give up, <laughs> probably. Just let it, <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Right. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Yes. <laughs> what makes me the happiest is, is in this twofold. Um, yes, I'm fair complexed or whatever, but I'm an African-American woman raised by Black parents and Black grandparents. And I've always known about the privileges that I have, both my light skin privileges, my pretty privileges, et cetera. And so I've always um, understood that I could walk into places some other people can't, especially, you know, within my culture. Mm -hmm. And I really love being able to better impact lives for just our culture as a whole. And, and one of the ways that I do that is I don't let my clients accept little pity, piddly wink amounts of money. Because I have explained to them, look, they decide how much money you're worth by your zip code. And they also do by your race and what you look like. And if you come in here expecting this and, and tolerating and accepting these low offers, That's then they're going to value everyone else like this too. So we all have to say, no, I'm worth as much as the people in Dick Cheney's neighborhood or George Bush's neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Because our injuries are our injuries. Now, it's different if somebody has a, a different job, but just on the balance, I have to fight a lot harder for African-Americans, but I don't mind because I know that for the next generation, it's going to be easier. And I particularly love when clients come to me for with an issue and I am able to empower them with the law. You know, it's been used so long to oppress us. Mm -hmm. So when I'm able to find ways to use it to empower and take control of a situation and get the best possible It just outcome, feels so good. It feels amazing. Like, it's like a high. It's like you get a high off of it, for it sure. Is. It I do really feel that is. way, too. And I think it comes from, um, I was told the story. I actually was told this story, I don't remember if it was just before going to law school, but I feel like it was, it was at the, towards the end of law school. And it makes me think that being an attorney was absolutely in my blood and in my DNA, which is that my great-grandmother and great-grandfather um, owned a mail route that was very rare for Black people, um, especially in Texas, but it was actually a way to wealth. So that's why you'll hear a lot of people say, I work for the post office, because back then you would bid on your routes. And my great-grandfather, uh, what he did was he outbid, he, he was a of orphan, he outbid the priest that ran the orphanage or underbid him and oh. got the route. Well, one day he was trying to make deliveries. These white boys on his route were blocking his route wow. and, he, and he had to complete it. And he took his reins and he whooped, he hit him in the face with it. Um, and then they moved out of the way. But of course that night, um, men in hoods with guns and everything came to the house um, and we're trying to light it up. Well, um, in anticipation for that, my great grandmother said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's 
let's figure out what the rules are for this stuff. Cause I know, cause they, these boys had been doing this day after day after oh, day sure. and he just got sick of it. So she pulled out the post office manual, which is federal law, not no raggedy test. That's state, right. And found that there was a provision in there that said it is a felony offense punishable by jail time if you impede a postal worker's ability to deliver mail. Wow. So she was able to use that to convince the cops, like, if you do this, those white boys got to answer to the federal government. That doesn't, right. you know, they were still racist. Right, right. But, but federal is a whole nother level of, of accountability. And they didn't, they, basically, they didn't want that smoke, so it wasn't even worth it. Was they didn't it want that smoke. And that's how I approach practicing law. I'm not over here talking to you little low-level adjusters, you little low-level people that got to ask right. Tom, Dick, Harry, Julie <laughs> for permission to give me what I want. Right. I want to talk to the big boys because they don't want that smoke and we need to come to a resolution quickly, quickly. for the reasons that you don't seem to understand. Right, right, for sure. Well, that, I think that's amazing that that is, you know, one of your favorite parts that you get to take the law and you know, especially uh, people of color and how it's been used to oppress, you know, you figure out ways to use it to empower. And that's a beautiful way to state one of the favorite parts of your job. So what would you say is maybe the most difficult part of your job? Something that, you know, somebody who's going into this field, they should know. What is difficult about being an attorney? I know there are a lot of things, but what would you say is like maybe- Right. The then I feel, I feel like for me, the most difficult part is realizing you're never off. Um, your brand follows you everywhere. It's always there. And also that, you know, I think a lot of people go to law school, like thinking it's a steady profession, like being a doctor, like you go to school and you'll always be able to make six figures. Right. It was understanding that you have to be your own business owner. You have to have a business mentality, a hustle mentality, and you have to continually uh, manage your business and oversee your business so that it can continually bring you money. You can't just practice and chill. Right. Um, even when you're working for a, a big law firm, you know, they still want you to bring in clients. They want you to bring in they clients. Want, That's yes. how you become partner. They want you to bring in clients right. and to play their rules. Right. Right. So Which it's still a business a within a business. Right. And so even that can yeah. be impressive. So, yeah. So, like never, you said, there's no, there's no sit back off. and chill. <laughs> yeah. You're never off. There's always deadlines, there's always things to be done. So it's a matter of time management. You have to be really good with time management so that you can master and have the happy life that you want. Otherwise, being a lawyer could kill you. <laughs> yes, it can be very stressful. That's why you have a lot of people practicing for maybe a certain period of time. And then they, they're yeah. pivoting into other things because, like you said, maybe they can't manage the stress anymore. They can't manage the time anymore. And, and they're, you know, they've spent all this money on school and invested all this time into becoming an attorney. And sometimes it's like, well, well, what else can I be? Well, what else can I do? How can I pivot with this education? That's less training? stressful. Yeah. Yeah. That's less so you have a lot of lawyers pivoting because either they don't know how to or they just can't handle it anymore. So, right. yes, being a lawyer, again, you know, Simone and I are both lawyers. It's very rewarding. I would I will never regret getting my law degree and, and practicing and things like that. Um, but if you're going to take on the challenge, because that's exactly what it is. Um, I definitely agree with her. You know, time management is 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 key, you know. Um, do you have, what mentors, if any, would you say that you had? Did you have any mentors before? Because, you know, some people are like, well, I'm the oh, first lawyer sure. in my family. So do you, did you have anybody you were looking at going into yes. this profession? So, yeah. So my initial law partner that I had for forever was my aunt, my aunt Glennis. Um, She has all boys. So I was like her daughter. I'm like her daughter. Um, that's my home girl. So, and I always wanted to grow up and be like her, like her hair is this color and she has these brilliant blue eyes and she's, um, always fun and sassy. So she was my initial model. And then she retired at like around 2012. And I was like, you're too young to retire. You should open a practice with me. And she did. So we've been practicing for a number of years together. She does trust and estates law, um, in Texas. Okay. And so that was really fantastic. And then I'm actually named after an attorney in my family um, whose name was Simone. And okay. I didn't know her growing up because she's right. like a little older than my mom. But I, I really believe when you name a child after somebody else, they it has influence. Mm -hmm. Yes. So she was at, I went to Cornell. She went to NYU. 
she's beautiful. She's had like five husbands. I always <laughs> said I'm either gonna have one husband or five. Just what are five? Right, what are five? What are right. five? <laughs> yep. And uh, she's a bad A lawyer, badass lawyer, and has her own practice as well. So okay. yes, I did have some in my family. That's amazing. Um, so before we dive into, you know, love or career, um, the only other question I would say is um, if you had not chosen the legal profession, let's say for whatever reason, even with all those influences and things, you had decided not to go to law school, who do you think you would have been instead? I absolutely would have been a broadcast journalist. So a news anchor, a show anchor, one of those kind of things, because um, they go about what and what, they're both storytelling. And I like being able to take little, like little known facts or little known issues and sharing with the public and educating them on that. So I definitely, that's definitely what I would do. Which you would have done full time if you weren't a lawyer. Okay. And I have a podcast now. I got to do a little, I got to do much better with being consistent, but it's called, girl, is that legal? Okay. And, yes. Um, let's plug that. I was going to say plug what you want to plug. So yes. Uh, follow yeah, follow on her YouTube. on Instagram. Follow her online. Yeah. You can't really miss her. She'll definitely keep the keep you guys uh, up to date in terms of when her next episodes are. But yeah, like you said, you know, I think to your point, the word lawyer kind of follows us around once you become a lawyer and it's almost like you can't do anything else. And it's like, no, I want to venture out. I want to do some other things that maybe I would have done if I hadn't become a lawyer. You know, I think it's important that you know, whatever we are as professionals, whether it be lawyer, doctor, real estate accountant, professor, whatever. Um, oh, that, and a stand-up comic. That was, that's what I was going to say. You are pretty funny. <laughs> Thank you. If you guys watched the old Ready to Love, what was, what, what was your season again? Um, on DVR, it's listed as season two, but technically we were the third. They had third two Atlanta season. seasons, and I was their Houston season called The Last Resort. The last resort. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because it was, wasn't it during the pand pandemic? So that's why you asked for the resort. That's what I thought. It was yeah. in the heart of the pandemic <laughs> in 2020. So we had to live on this resort um, for weeks as we got to know each other and dated. So, right. well, that's a good transition to our episode topic, which is love or career. Uh, so, you just told the audience that in the middle of the pandemic, you sought love on a resort, on a very popular TV show on the own network owned by Oprah. So you dove, you dove in. And I guess my first question is, what made you say, okay, well, all these other ways haven't worked. Let me go on TV and let me see if it works this way. What made you think to, because some people were like, no, you know, I'm not going to go on TV and try to figure this out. Great what gave you the idea to do this? <laughs> So, first of all, it was because I was already a fan of the show. If I didn't know anything about the show, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I was a super fan. I had seen every episode, and I could really relate to certain girls. And I remember watching the show. The prior two seasons were in Atlanta. They they do, like, two seasons in each city, and then it moves around America. Moves around. So, in the premise of the show, y'all, is it's for Black singles over 30 who mm -hmm. believe that they're ready for love, ready to love, as in ready for a marriage-minded relationship. And it was the first show I'd ever seen that showed us. You know, they've got The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. We right. might be sprinkled up in there. But right. I don't really want to write me in. Like, if I get if I got one, that would be fine. Right, right, right. But that wasn't your preference or focus, right? Correct. And I knew, like, I can't compete with Sarah Jane and Willie Wally and, uh, you know, else. these are the girls for Hunter's right. affection. Like, right. I am so unapologetically Black. So when this show came out, I was a super fan. And it's on the Oprah Winfrey Network. And I thought to myself, I said, and it just so happened that earlier that year, I'd been dating somebody real raggedy and I had two raggedies in a row. Well, three, I had a, a drug dealer and then I had the poor person. And then I had the guy whose penis and pocketbook didn't work. So, so it's it was like back, to back, to back, to back, right. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I was living in Dallas and I said, these men are trash. I got to get out of here. I'd always felt in my spirit that my soulmate might be in Houston, but I said, I'm going to be much more intentional with dating. You know, my eggs are about to get, you know, slow or, right. you know, right. spoiled. Right. So I'm going to have to put them to use. I got to find me a husband because I don't want to just be all willy nilly making babies. Right. So I said, I'm going to date more deliberately. Well, I'm going to Houston um, to start setting up my move. And my homegirl says, would you ever consider going on a dating show? And I said, 
Well, it depends on what what is it called. And she says, I was like, pitch us my favorite show. And I thought, well, hold on. If if anybody could find me a man, it would be Oprah. You know, she put Barack Obama in the presidency. If she can make Barack president, she could get me a husband for sure. For sure. For sure. So I said, I put my trust in Oprah and, and William Packard, Willard Packard. And I said, between Oprah and Willard Packer, they're going to get me a man. And I remember when the show called to tell me that I got it, I said, ooh, that's exciting. Oprah's going to have to give me a wedding. And they were kind of like, um, that's not quite how this works. But congratulations. Works. Like step one, let's get you on the show and see if there's any way you like. And it's funny, right. another another connection to the podcast that you have with some of my previous guests, uh, Sh- Shayla Cohen, the, the one of the producers of the show. Uh, with oh, Will, his chief of staff slash producer. Yeah. So we actually had her on the, the podcast last season, um, giving people advice if you want to get into the entertainment industries, particularly. Uh, I love it. So yes, we, we met I'm her and we had a great time interviewing her. So she'll be happy to hear that you're on this season of this uh, podcast. Thank you, Shayla. <laughs> Thank you. For- oh, let me say I'm a ring. I know, right? Oh my God, that ring girl. I'm it's it's face. real, y'all. I got it appraised because we, you know, I'm like, to I'm sure. make sure he got playing with me. I'm gonna make sure. I had to. I was like, because if this isn't real, then what are we? <laughs> well, before we get to how you got that ring, um, if if you know, not to give too many schoolers, but obviously on the show, you were interested in various people. Rashad, who you're engaged to yes. now, ended up being one of the people you're interested in. But you left the show. Yeah, maybe a few, Rashi- I'm sorry, Rashid. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me, Rashid. Um, you left the show um, maybe a few episodes before it ended. I think they ended up narrowing it down to, I think, maybe just like two couples or something like that. And so you weren't obviously right. part of those last like, two couples. It's about a 10-week show, and I got sent home around week seven. It was, right. it was fine. Right. So you were pretty much almost all the way to the end. I mean, you 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 held it down. You held, held <laughs> it down. But somehow you and Rashid found your way back to each other after the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that happened? Because again, the show is over. Sure. You went your way, he went his way. So how did you guys reconnect? So the thing about it is men don't leave me. They don't. Um, they, you know, we may not be together anymore. We may not be dating. They hover around. They have a, mm-hmm. And I know there are a lot of women like this. Are right. you married? I'm not married. I'm not married. Yeah. I'm I'm dating. I was in a long-term relationship where I was engaged at one point, but you're right. Most, if you're like a really good one, they, they're always going right. to hover and keep the door open and sh- at least check right. in. They do that little check-in thing. What you got going on? And so at the end of the show, I just knew that I needed to just kind of recalibrate my dating life because you never know. Well, for one, I never knew how I was going to be depicted. But also, like, once you've been on TV, like, life gets a little weird. And it's important that you stay grounded and stay who you are, et cetera. So what happened after the show is we were still interested in each other and we kept in touch. And I decided we're going to make a foundational friendship. Because I don't date, I make friends. And then from that, I decide who I want to do it to. Okay. Um, okay, that's fair. And I'm articul- I articulate that with guys. And I say, look, I'm, you know, I'm marriage-minded. I am looking for a husband ultimately, but I'm not in a rush. And so, and I'm not in a rush because it's going to happen on the right time. And therefore, the right, what I the do, right do is I make friends. Yeah, and I always and I tell people friends. it's the right time and it's the right person. It has to be both right. for it to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always say that I make friends because in my mind, my perfect guy is the best friend that I do it to. See, I don't have sex with my friends. So that's also how I let men know. If you want to get to know me, that's cool. We can go out. We're going to have right, a great hang out. But I'm yeah. not going to do it to you. I do it to my boyfriends. Right. I do it to those that I'm committed to. Right. But, but not just a friend. Right. I'm not the fun time, play time, girl. You're going to call somebody else for that. And in fact, we can go out. We can have a great time. I will leave around, you know, 1 a.m. too, so you can go scoot over where you need to go and get your little pleasures taken care of, and then I'll see you at brunch tomorrow. Right, right. And it works fine. But basically, we maintained a friendship after the show. I started dating someone else. He started dating someone else. And it was like, because this happened during the pandemic, I had actually started dating. I was dating a few people before the show. 
Okay. And those guys were like, so you're still going to do the show? I said, yeah, I'm not married. And you're not even my boyfriend. So why yeah, wouldn't I take this once in a lifetime opportunity? opportunity. Because again, yeah, if you're the one for me, it'll be fine. I'm going to go and those guys won't work and I'll come back to you. So anyway, I started dating someone else and then they were at their own issue. He was dating someone else and she had her own issue. The version he gives is one day she came up with some foolishness and he was like, why am I even tolerating this when I could be with Simone? Oh, wow. It it happens that way. It dawns like, you know what? I actually have somebody that I already have a friendship with that I can already see building a life with that I'm attracted to. She's checking the box. Why am I wasting my time when this person literally is checking all the boxes? And sometimes it takes them being with other people at this point. That's why, like you said, you don't put pressure on people. Explore the world. Explore the world. Because I already know I'm top tier. So want. Yes. If you want a husband who is ready to be faithful, you have to get him after his whole phase. Okay. Because I believe if you don't, you get a DJ envy. He's a great guy. Okay. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, right. but what happened is he and his wife have been together since 15 and later in the marriage, he did cheat. I don't believe he's a cheater, but he cheated. Right. And when, what they say is he said, when asked why he did it, he said, because I could. He just wanted something to, to see what else was out there. And he wanted to get it out of his system. But the problem was he was getting it out of his system while he was married instead of being a single man. Correct. So you're saying. Right. So you're so saying, I'm not saying it's okay. Right. 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 But I'm saying. So with, with me, even after the show, it was important for me that I let him have his time because he, he went all the way to the end. And in the end, uh, the woman that he was interested in right. decided to choose him. someone else. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She chose someone else. And um, he, uh, yeah, so then he, he's got all these different girls in his DM because he is a truly sweetheart. He's a great guy. I mean, you have to be to tolerate my crazy ass. And, but ultimately I said, I want him to go through all of this so that if we later decide to be a couple, he feels like, yes, Simone's the best option for me. And I explored all of my girl. I was over there telling him like, I was like, oh, so who's your celebrity crush? If you got anybody, he was like, ooh, Ashanti. I said, oh my God, you should DM her. You should DM her. He's like, you think so? I was like, oh yeah, you're amazing. She would be lucky to have a guy like you. And like he I said, you allowed him to go and explore. Huh? So, so I guess we'll we'll write that down because we, we're taking notes over here. I'm sure our listeners are taking notes. Um, that'll be tip number one. If you are looking to get married as a professional woman, especially if you're, you know, you're 30 and up, but I think this goes across the board that if you're looking to, again, key is if you're looking to get married. You're not looking to get married. You can turn this part off the podcast off. This isn't a party. Looking to get married. Tip number one is try to catch the guy in that, like you said, that post ho phase where they've explored. They so that is not even an issue. What would you say? And let me tell you what that looks like for 30-year-old men, because a lot of people just assume if he's in his 30s, he should be past that. So what happens is for a lot of guys, let's say they were a, a, a doctor. Right. And they have just been in school, 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 fellowship, and they just started working as a professional. Okay. He's probably not ready. He right. needs a little bit of time. Right. To use he needs maybe to- 35 and up. He still needs at least. Yeah. They need. Right. Yeah. Or if they're divorced, if they're divorced, he is divorced. If they're divorced, you're not about to make this man settle down straight out of the divorce. Right, right out of the divorce. Okay. Yeah. He, okay. You know, he needs a little time. He was married 10 years. But I, but overall, what I did, in that, and I'm not saying you don't date them at all. What I did during that time period is I let him fall in love with my mind. Mm. Once they fall in love with your mind, they never leave. So let me clarify that. When I said men don't leave me, it's because they're not in love with my body. That's icing on the cake. Okay. When it's together, it ain't always good. <laughs> but when it's your mind, because when you have, when a man falls in love with your mind, he feels like, I know that with Simone, I will be my best self. And I don't know that with whoever the other pretty girl is. No matter what they look like. Because at some point, looks fake. So it's like, yeah, yeah they're falling in love and with your mind and your character and your personality and things like that. Those things are not going to change. Looks change, but mind, character, personality, things, things you can't even put a price tag on, loyalty, a good communication skills, things like that. 
all of that, like you said, if they're falling really truly in love with that, and then what you look like is the icing on the cake, that's that's always going to be a win. So that's tip number two, ladies. Yeah. Hope you guys are yep. in the track of our tips. Your judgment. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they trust your judgment. So when they trust your judgment, when you have questions or issues regarding, let's say, child rearing or dealing with the baby mom or ex-wife or you get the benefit of the doubt or even just trust as far as are you doing anything with anybody else? You're given the benefit of the doubt because they've fallen in love with your mind, which means they've fallen in love with your good judgment, good judgment. and you can get a lot further. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I love that tip number two. Okay. Uh, for tip number three, my question is, and we spoke about this a few seconds ago, you, you mentioned, you know, how people don't leave and they always kind of stick their foot in the door and they're always tipping their foot in the water. You know, they want to make sure that they're still in some sort of contact with you, even when they're dating other people, like they want to keep in contact, with you, right? Yeah. And a lot of professional women find that they're in that situation because maybe they put off being in the relationship because again, maybe they've chosen their career first. So maybe they're not ready to be married or ready to be in a real relationship, especially people that are in med school, lawyers, things like that. that. Right. So my question to you is, which is tip number three, when should women take seriously the people that keep the door open? Because I I struggle with this because some people are like, well, he's if he really wants you to be his girlfriend, he's just going to tell you that he's going to make it clear, like stop dealing with these people that are kind of like in and out and out. But I'm like, to your point. Some of these people go are going through different phases. So they're just, they're not bad people. They're just not ready to be right. in a serious relationship. Maybe they just got out of school. Maybe they just got out of a divorce. Maybe they're dealing with baby mama stuff. I mean, listen, I only attract, I, I, some people are like, oh, I want a guy to make this. I only attract six figures and above. Literally. Okay. Seven million. Okay. I've never, I've never dated a broke guy. So that's never been my issue. My issue is like you they, said, some of the they other don't even- try to do anything serious with me they, they'll be my friends the other ones but i agree agree yeah so i mean some people are like well i want you know a guy that has this sort sort of career or money or whatever i'm like okay i got that deal i tend to date guys that went to really good schools i tend to date guys that have a lot of money so that's not the issue the issue i find is i have people keeping the door quote unquote open right that have other issues that have nothing to do with me maybe they are just coming out of that school phase because they're doctors or yes. maybe they are just coming out of a divorce or bad baby mama situation. Again, these situations have nothing to do with me, but they do impact their ability to be in a serious relationship with me. So I'm like, okay, maybe I won't c- cross them off the list. Maybe I will allow them to keep in contact with me. But then some people are like, no, you shouldn't allow them. You should just stop talking to these people completely. So I'm always kind of like in that flux of, when do you when do you close the door? Because they're always going to keep it open. When when should you be absolutely the door? great question? Now, give me mm-hmm. one second. Yes. I'm going to plug my phone. In. I just got you can pause. No problem. Okay. All right. Now we're ready. So picking up where we left off. So when, when is it time for, you know, these professional ladies that listen to the call, when is it time for us to close the door on the people that try to keep their, their foot in the door? Keep, keep, you know, keep, they're trying to keep it open. So when is it time for us to close the door? When you feel like whatever that issue is, that's making you feel like, uh, I don't think it would work with him. When you feel like he himself, one, doesn't find it to be an issue or that he is not willing to work on fixing it, whatever it is, because if he doesn't think it's an issue, he's not going to fix it. And if he's not willing to work on it, he's not going to fix it. So you're wasting your time unless you're going to decide this deal breaker is no longer a deal breaker. And then you have to determine that on your own. But mm-hmm. it's also important. I don't believe you, you don't need to announce that you're closing the door. If you have to announce it, you haven't actually closed the door. 
Because if you're announcing it, it's so that that person stays away. No, when you're truly done, you are done in a way where it is presented on you, how you carry yourself and your behavior and et cetera. And it's, and you don't have to announce it because I also don't burn bridges. Okay. So I actually do not believe that you should, when you're closing the door, you don't need to announce it because you never know what you'll need from that person. I ran for judge and I have an ex who has a, what is it? An SB and wrote a 30 for 30 and got awarded. And when I ran for judge, my budget was started to run low. He gave me an entire video. He did edits. He did all kinds of stuff. But if, if we broke up because he was just a little bit narcissist there. But if I had announced to him, I'm not dealing with you anymore. And then I have to come back later and be like, hey, listen, I could use a favor. He would have been like, girl, can you announced that you weren't talking to me anymore. Right. But the other thing about closing the door, too, is number one thing you got to do, though, quit doing it to him. Quit doing it to them. And that's very easy. Uh, it's very easy to I, I won't say it's very easy to pull back because everybody is different, right. but it's easy to know if they're there for you and your friendship and how great you are when you don't if you have take that piece off. out. When you take that piece off and you can bring it back in if you guys are going to decide to move forward in that direction. Right. Right. And the other thing is when knowing when it's okay to revisit that situation, mm -hmm. I believe generally is whatever that deal breaker was, whether it's the hope phase or this, that, and a third. You should talk with that person and say, look, we've known each other for this many years. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. And I believe we need, we owe it to ourselves. This is my line. Y'all can borrow. Okay. We're going to write it down. <laughs> me, let me know how it goes. Because it warms okay. my heart. Already. Okay. Everybody else has love. Right. You say, you owe it to yourself and I owe it to myself. And we owe it to any future partners for us to give this one more go. Because the truth of the matter is, if we don't have closure on what we could be, you can never truly give yourself to any other woman. Because mm -hmm. you'll always wonder. Wonder. Was, you'll always wonder if I was the one. I was I was messing with one of my little high school sweethearts, my high school sweetheart. He had a whole girlfriend. I didn't care about that girl. She was mean to him. And I I had to pull that out. But it was true. I mean, we were young. We were like Bird. 21, 22. But it, it allows him to look at it in a different perspective. Like, you know what? Yes, it is worth it. Because if for some reason it doesn't work out, you know what? We're still good. We're still cool because we tried. But if I don't yeah. try it at all. And again, it allows them to also quickly make a decision like, okay, let's start this relationship. Because this back and forth, towing the water, keeping the door open, after a while, it, it does get old. So if you're able to use that kind of trigger sentence to yes. focus the person to make it move forward, that's a great way to see after you say that and sentence. you must do something differently this new time than whatever you did before. And what I generally advise is you actually can do relationship counseling that is pre-marital, not even, it's like pre-engagement. You can just do couples counseling. You say, we're going to try one more time. Let's do proactive couples counseling because we had whatever, we had a little something issue. Let's go and just talk to somebody. You can do it every other week. You can do it I, I, every other week tends to be good. Now they have Zoom, so you can do it via Zoom. You can do it with a pastor. You can do it with any kind of person. But if this is going to be, if you guys are dating to decide, do we want to one day get married? Um, unless he's a person that doesn't believe in therapy, that is an indication he's serious about you. He's serious about doing this differently. And he's serious about giving it one more try to see if you guys could be the ones for each other. It's also great because it will finally give you the closure because if at the end of this, this therapy, the therapist is like, you guys can't ever get over that past issue, mm -hmm. then you're saving yourself a lot of wasted time. So you hear, heard it here first. These, these, these are the tips. I just want to pause the tips really quick and just ask, and I don't know if he actually has told you this, but what may, you know, you or she, okay, you connect, you guys decide to date, be together, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, you go through those phases after the show. It's one thing to be someone's girlfriend. It's another thing to be a fiance, right? And say, this person's going to be my wife. Did he tell you at what point it triggered? Because it's, it's like a trigger in a guy's mind when he's like, yes, I'm going to get married. What, what went off in his brain that like, okay, this is the person, this is the time. Because it has to be the right person at the right time. What do you think? Girl, I 
actually asked him that yesterday, and he goes, "Oh Lord, you want to have it?" But we want to know. It's a good question. He was doing something like mm-hmm. I don't know. He was like fixing, putting up a curtain rod for me, or he was doing something. He was like, "Really, you want to talk about this right now?" Uh, and so I was like, "Well, baby, I want to know." And so I can't remember, like, because he said it before, but my understanding was one as far as the win. Um, he asked me to move in with him. Let's see, we started being committed in August. So we hadn't even been, we have not dated a full year before he proposed. And so y'all don't necessarily need a year, but we had been, you know, friends since prior. But let's see, we started being committed in August. And then in January, he asked me to move in with him, like the beginning of January. So however many months that is. I knew that when he asked me to move in with him, he was he probably already married. thinking. Because it's like, what's yeah. the point of and doing the, that if, yeah, gotcha. He's not a shacker. He has a son. He has one child who's the sweetest. My bonus baby is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that he wouldn't, and he's not a shacker at all. But for him, because he had a son, his logic was, um, I want to make sure that you and my son mesh well together before I propose. And for me, the best way to see that is if you live with me. Mm. Um, because so that was his rationale. Got it. And so I truly understood that. And I know there's a lot of women who's like, don't move in, don't move in. Right. Honestly, what I but was there was a rationale do, behind how he did that. It actually there was. Made a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, and I have my own house here in Houston. We both bought our houses like within three months of each other. And I actually was going to, I didn't want to like move in because I didn't want to be responsible for any bills. So mm-hmm. I was trying to get away with just coming over here whenever I would Airbnb my place. Mm-hmm. But then once he asked, I was like, shit. Yeah, um, now I got to be here full time. Right, right. Yeah, right. I do the meal prep. I pay for the food and I pay for the housekeeper. Okay. You, you know how I feel about housekeeper. Gotta have a yeah, housekeeper. That's why, one of the reasons why you gave us looking so you can have a housekeeper. But it's interesting yes. that you say that. And again, I'm not saying people can take what you just said and do a cut and paste on their lives. But I think what is important what you said, typically there's some sort of serious decision made and it, it looks like marriage. It looks like long-term commitment. And that is your indicator that that's the direction you're going in. And so you have to look at the signs. You have to look at what phases you're in. Um, and obviously, I mean, like you said, you're, you're, I mean, without just a little bit, people know about you, you're top tier, right? In terms of looks and education oh, and personality, you. things like that. No, you are. So, I mean, it's kind of like, well, duh, Rasheed. You know, like, duh, you should want to make her your wife. But, you know, everybody, <laughs> but, you know, everybody goes through their phases and they have to be in a certain place, right, to do that. And like you said, you'd already been married, already had a son. He's already trying to deal with, you know, the other person that originally he was trying to move forward with on the show. There was a lot that came before that. And so I just believe timing is everything and you have to give people the space, you know, to have that time. time. To have that. that And I'll say this too. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be very clear when I talk about him moving in, asking me to move in was how I knew he was going to propose. Let me be very clear. Because we all know there's a bunch of men that will just shout. I just want you to just shout. Right. Right. Yes. But what I did was I don't, I'm not moving in with nobody without running a background. So I ran a background check on him. And I knew that he told me he got married a certain month and certain year. When I ran the background check, I actually saw he got married about seven months prior to the time that he got married. So I asked him about it. I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, I would rather be earlier than later. Right. What it was was this. His ex-wife had bought a house and she said, rather than you living in your apartment, why don't you just move in with me? We're engaged now. We could save the that money towards the wedding. And he said, I don't feel comfortable living with a woman I'm not married to. So he they did the agreed legal marriage for the peace. Yeah, they did like the civil union justice of the peace, and then he moved in. And when I saw the paperwork, you know, I saw that my, right. with my own eyes. So that is how I knew how serious he, he takes was about I'm not shacking with people. Together. I see. Ma- for if him, it's marriage and living that. together. That's his intention. That's how you knew that that would be his. Correct. They're they're together, and and he's really big. He doesn't in, in, introduce nobody to his 
his son. And then also like, you know, I met his best friends, but also his family and his mom. Let me tell you something. Ain't no black man in America with a mom who's going to propose to you without you meeting her. I don't care if you don't even like his mama. Right. Y'all are going to have to talk. Y'all are going to. Because I know too many women who are like, oh, yeah, I've watched the show, put a ring on it. And the girl never met his mom. And was like, where are we going? Ma'am, nowhere. Nowhere. Because you got to meet his mom. Yeah. But I knew all of those things. He was just doing things that made it very clear. Yeah. Right. So like you said, just look for those signs of marriage-minded things. Whether it be introducing you to the mom or the best friend or, you know, whatever. I mean, I dated a guy, he was like, nobody meets his, I won't say whose godfather was, but his godfather was a huge celebrity. And he's like, I don't introduce anybody to my godfather if I don't think I'm going to be serious. I don't even introduce people to both sides of my family because his mom remarried and his dad remarried. So both of his parents actually remarried. So he was like, I don't, you're literally the first person I've actually allowed to even meet both sides. And we, again, we we're engaged, we live together, all those things. So, you know, my thing is, in hindsight, like you said, that was a sign that we were moving in that direction because he, would, he wouldn't have even introduced me. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have made sense. Right. So ladies, look right. for the signs of seriousness though, and, and marriage-mindedness, and that can also give you an indication that you're going in that direction. Um, I guess my last yeah. question, my last question uh, which is it's, is really just the topic of this whole episode that we've been discussing. And again, not a cut and paste, but if someone is, you know, in their 30s and they are looking to get married, should they be putting love first or career first? What do you what do you think in general works better for professional I women? I think you can have you can absolutely have both. And what I had to stop doing is I got to a point in my career when I didn't feel worthy of love because my career was not where I thought it would be. My life did not look how I thought it would. Um, I was pivoting in my legal career. So I went from being a New York City fashion attorney representing, you know, international fashion houses. um, One of the premier cases that I worked on as as an associate, I did the depositions for Christian Louboutin versus Yves Saint Laurent in the case over whether you could trademark the color red. The red. Wow, that's a huge case. I always think about the red. Oh my God, that's amazing. So I went from those sexy cases to Mm. coming home to Texas, living with my parents in my same bedroom from high school. And I was like, I refused to date quality men because I was like, the quality of man that I want wouldn't want to be with a girl who lives with her parents. That's what I told myself, right? And so then I was dating these like cute guys, but who were basically like this one guy, he like, literally he was a snack, the snack lady, but like a dude for a homeless shelter. Like he sold snacks outside of a homeless shelter, but he was very cute. His eyes were so pretty. Um, but I literally, I realized like I was dating those guys cause I was like, I don't deserve the other. So I kept postponing, postponing, like once I get my life together, then I will then date, I'll date a better no. guy. Okay. I'll date a better guy. When in reality, once they fall in love with your mind, they realize your plan or that you're trying to come up with a plan and they believe in you. So I could have and should have been dating throughout that whole process because the truth of the matter is I was living with my parents. I was saving money. I had a good amount of money because the firm that I left was abusive. Hey, hey, we that on another, yeah, right. we can talk about that on another episode. But they were right. abusive, so I had a few savings. I was saving to open my own business and buy my first home. I now bought that home. I, I bought that home shortly thereafter. It is now appreciated about 200K. I have a tenant in there now, Section 8, paying me like 2000 a month. My mortgage is pennies, pennies, you know, it's a two-bedroom, two-bath in the heart of Uptown Dallas, which is where you want to live. So any good man would have understood that I had a plan. It didn't look glamorous. Right. It wasn't on social media. Right. And so what I say is you can do, you can do them both. And my biggest concern that I've, that I've experienced, but also that I've seen with other women is that when you're dating someone seriously, you do have to consider them to some extent when you're making your next professional move as far as what city you're going to live in and this and that. What I say is this, 
don't ever, don't ever not take a job somewhere for a boyfriend. And why is that? Because, you know, I sometimes show that literally everyone that I've dated in the last two years, they, two years, they all live on the East Coast. All of them. Not a, I can't find a soul here. The primary person I'm dating right now is on the East Coast. So, you can make it work. If he loves you, you can make it work. He, we come from a generation where the women always move to the men. No, now there can be instances where he should move to you or work virtually or whatever. But if your concern is, is that aspect of it, that's, that's not a legitimate issue. You should do the both. And for me, um, with my fiance, we were very, we answered the hard questions. Cause I was like, both of us were like, let's put it all out here. So if you're going to reject me, you can do it now before I get too deep up in here. You know, because I, I was like, I don't want to learn nobody else's favorite color. So we're going to have to figure this shit out. And so one of the things that I reflected was how practicing law was stressing me out, how I didn't like it. I didn't think I wanted to do it anymore. Blah, 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 blah. And he came back. He owns a exotic car business. Yeah. He's an exotic car broker. He also does regular cars. So any car you need, DM me. But he came back to me and he was like, I'm going to help you. Um, and what he has now done is he's kind of, he still does his work, but he works in my business 30 hours a week. Wow. He bought me an office. He surprised me. He bought me an office. I was having, I had a virtual office and would be making excuses and working from bed inefficiently. He bought me an office. He decorated it. He got me a desk. I, my desk is next to his. So he can be like, what are you doing over there? Okay, let's, <laughs> are, you let's working on, are you working on what you're working on? But again, yes. what man is I, doing all that? Going back to your point, what man is doing all that and they're not marrying you? The, I mean, it's such a serious thing to do. I mean, going back to your other tip, uh, but uh, shifting back to the focus of, of this question in terms of right. love or career, you're saying you should have both. What are your What are your thoughts on when people say you can have both, maybe just not all at the same time? That sometimes maybe you need to work on the career stuff first and then do the love stuff. Or maybe work on the love stuff. Sometimes people get married in their early 20s and then they do their career second. I mean, what are your thoughts on you can have them both, but just maybe not at the same time? You can have both. You can have both at the same time, but it has to be with the right person. So the right man will understand your sacrifices. It just has to make sense. I think communication can be a big issue if they don't understand what you're doing and why. Um, and also it could be the wrong person. For example, I dated a guy, he was an engineer. He worked for a chemical uh, company and he was an engineer in one of those plants. So when he left the plant, his job was done. He could not understand that I was actually texting clients at 10 o'clock at night. He thought I was doing something else. He had to go. He had to go. But the right guy is going to be like how he does with me. He's like, all right, what, what are the goals for this week? Okay, let's put them up on the board. What do you need me to do? Things like that. That's how you know if that works for you. And also, you need that, especially if you're an attorney. You need that because it gets really stressful. You can be overwhelmed. And you're not going to be your best self when you're that way. This also gives him an opportunity to help me proactively prevent depression, anxiety, and those different things. Because he'll be like, well, what are you doing? I, I had an episode where I wasn't even depressed. It was just something was off. It was my vitamin D, my this and that. He found me the proper doctor. And I go to that doctor and I get testosterone shots, which you get for my abs, and other things like that. And we keep it together. But so my point is for the right person they will be able to work with you, but you have to be willing enough to be honest and saying, I hate my job or I hate what I'm doing and I'm not happy. And I would love to be in the type of relationship where I could be that vulnerable and honest and not be judged, but be assisted. Well, I will say the person I'm dating now is very invested in, you know, I'll be honest with you. And everybody says, how's that possible? Because it's if uh, someone Googles you, they know what you do. Because I always make the joke. When I date people, I don't tell people I'm a lawyer. I never start off with that. And it's not that I'm ashamed of it. It's just that I think lawyer has a certain connotation. So I I'll say anything else. I'll be like, thing. hey, Absolutely. I'm a professor. Hey, I'm a producer. And I'm not lying. You know, I'm law professor at UDC, law professor thing. at Pepperdine. So I'm, I'm not I'm not lying. Because here's the thing. When I just met you, I don't, I don't need to give you my full name. I don't need to give you any of that. I want you to get to know me, not you know, whatever, Jay Carter, the lawyer, just 
who's Jay Carter? Who, who am I? Right. And so very early on, I don't even really talk much about going to law school and all and, and all those all those things. Eventually, obviously, they they find out, but I don't say it in the beginning because I don't want you to rely on that. Like, oh, she's a lawyer, she's probably making X amount of dollars. She probably likes to talk back. She probably not gonna listen to me. I don't want you to like in the beginning of the relationship already have those connotations. Um, but once they learn about who I am and that I'm just not just a lawyer, I'm a creative entrepreneur, I have all these platforms and things like that. Always I'm interested to see like who's actually interested in investing in me and my businesses and what I'm doing. And that's one of the things that makes this guy stand out. Stand out. He's very invested in what I'm doing. Sometimes I think he thinks that the podcast and everything I'm working, these are, these are his businesses too. Like, yes, like, what are you doing? And what about this? And you need to retarget and you need to do this and you need to do that. So I think for me, like that's something that actually makes him stand out from some of the other guys because he's really invested. I tell you, Hey, I'm not really happy with, you know, having a lot of clients and trying to pivot. And then he's like, well, what is your solution to that? How can we talk about it? How can we figure it out? So it's funny that you said that Rashid did that with you. I'm like, this guy, that's one of the, I feel like the serious signs that he is very much invested in what makes me happy and my work-life balance and just having kind of like, like you said, just that quality of life. He wants yeah. to make sure I have that. And so I'm glad I'm glad that you you told that little story about Rashid. And big ups to Rashid. I, I don't know if he's going to listen to this episode, but big, big ups to him for you know doing all the things that he does and and even yeah, just doing yeah. the office i didn't i didn't know that story so yeah no I, I i have enjoyed speaking to you we definitely love to have you back um in the meantime tell our audience uh well yes. first of all the answers to the question at the topic of the episode today you can have both so it's not love or career you can actually have both um so hopefully you know, you you take what Simone said and you put it obviously to work in your in your own life. Yeah. And the in the meantime, where can people find you on, I guess like Instagram, Absolutely. Twitter, YouTube? Absolutely. So um on YouTube you can find me at girl, is that legal? Okay. YouTube. And if you have any like legal questions you'd like advice, I'm not your lawyer, but I am a lawyer. And period periodically on girl, is that legal? I take viewer questions or viewer video videos and I break down what I would do if that was my paying client in that situation. And those are, those can be really fun. Um, you can also email me whatever questions you have to Simone S Y M O N E at redwinelaw.com um, or call or text me at eight, five, five, four Simone. And that's spelled S Y M O N E, which is eight, five, five, four, seven, nine, six, 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 Three. I love how and it's your name. <laughs> yes. And I'm an, I am a national injury attorney and I also do expungements throughout okay. and non-disclosures throughout. And then on in, now Instagram, you are, is it oh, just yeah. Simone? Attorney, I'm attorney Simone Redwine on Instagram. And also check out, um, I have a YouTube channel with Rashid. It's called oh, Ages right. and Stages. We okay. do reaction videos to Ready to Love, but we also talk about relationships and we're going to start uploading more kind of the behind the scenes of our daily life. Like okay. uh, you guys should also do a um, TikTok. Do the same. Because oh, what no, you can no, do no, is no, you no, can no, take the no, same please. videos and repost them to TikTok and then you create two Great. audiences. Ooh, ooh, thank you, bro. You're so <laughs> I think right. I like, someone gave me a couple of years ago. They're like, just create the same time content and you can literally... Because I know one girl, she's a, she's, she doesn't even have that many videos, but she had one video to go viral on TikTok. So she reposted it on YouTube. She reposted it on Instagram. And now she has millions of followers. She doesn't even have that many videos. But the few videos, she it. gives you like tips. What is her name? I'll, I'll, I'm going to text you today. I'm going to text you today. Okay, but cool. I saw her model of how she did that. I was like, oh, that's really smart. Just take the same content and you can create audiences in, in all three places. So I love it. And my um Instagram, I mean my TikTok is is that legal? Is that legal? Similar to the to the other YouTube channel. Okay, cool. Right. Well, right. We have we have enjoyed having you here. Um, a lot of the things that you talk about, since I'm gonna get so tired of hearing my girlfriends talk about it. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna bring somebody on that has gone through the phases, has got the brain, you know, she's got yes. to the point where we wanna be. I'm gonna and I was like, who can I bring on? I'm like, well, we're ready to love. 
Yes, yes, yes. She's the yes, first one to talk about this. See, y'all, I want to hear your stories, good and yes, bad. Yes, and, and we're going to be using clips it. from this episode to promote it um, over the next couple of weeks. So you'll definitely be getting feedback from our viewers that way as well. And like I said, we really um, appreciate you being on Your Fab Life. Until next time, everyone, thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Fab Life. Until next time, please make sure to follow us on all our social media handles at at I am legally fab. Take care.